You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. As the prevalence of type 2 diabetes increases, how do we address the challenges in caring for our elderly patients with diabetes? Joining us to discuss the unique challenges in caring for our elderly patients with diabetes is registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator in San Diego, California, Janice Baker. Ms. Baker, welcome to ReachMD. Well, thank you. Oh, well, Janice, great to have you on the show. Let's start off with some a general question. What are some of the unique challenges in managing our seniors with diabetes? And, and first of all, how do you define seniors? And be careful when you do that. Oh. That's a good question, and I guess there's all kinds of definitions of seniors these days because, uh, you know, you can be 75 and have the body of a 35-year-old, and you can be 35 and have the body of an 85-year-old. It's all how you take care of yourself. So what are some of the unique challenges? Well, typically, since I do work with great amounts of senior citizens, um, I do see all kinds of reasons that diabetes gets to be more challenging. First of all, you've got change in physical activity. As time goes on, uh, they tend to be less physically active. That can maintain um, a change in their uh, body weight, in their physical ability to even go out and get food. Uh, you have change in their medications. There's other medical issues going on. There's digestive issues. But also there's changes in their social life, their family life, where they live. So all kinds of things need, need to be taken into account. Now, when you say, um, like when you mentioned their environment, um, are you we talking about seniors in assisted living homes or just seniors living by themselves? You know, it could be all over the place. It could be seniors because of just that they don't want to cook anymore. They go out to eat a lot more. That tends to be just a way of life. Eating's entertainment for them oftentimes. Um, they have other issues such as, again, assisted living where there's maybe a, just a set menu. Uh, some of them just forget to eat, honestly. Uh, they don't put a big value on eating. So you not only see weight gain, we're seeing a lot more obese elderly people, but you also have those who are actually being affected by malnutrition. And it happens slowly. It's sort of under the radar. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, as we're talking, I'm thinking, you know, their their physical activity changes, the types and amounts of food changes. And so that that's going to make it tough to control their diabetes. And if they're older, they're probably more likely to be on insulin, you know, as we know, the longer you have type yeah. 2. And, of course, don't forget, us type 1s can get old, too, and we're going to be on insulin our whole lives until they come up with a cure. Yeah. Well, what are, what are some of the challenges for the health care providers? Well, I think one challenge for the health care providers is, of course, is the amount of time you have to spend with seniors. Uh, you know, all health care providers are really uh, busy with time restrictions um, that are imposed upon us. And sometimes it takes time to sit with people who are senior citizens and really find out the real underlying issues, why they're eating more than they should, why they're not eating the way they should, um, what kind of um, memory issues they have that make them able to even tell you what's going on with them. What did you just say, Janice? I, I, I can't remember. <laughs> did you 
forget already, Steve? I think time is a huge issue because it's an issue with people who are not elderly. Yes. There's no substitute for listening and taking your time. No, and we know that depression is a big issue in the elderly population. And again, sometimes they use food or alcohol to help with depressive issues, social isolation, um, access to, to good, healthy food because of the economy. You know, you may be uh, prescribing certain medica- medications or saying, you know, eat more of healthful foods, but they're in a very fixed budget, and that's not getting any better anytime soon for many of us. I know one of your, your super expertise is, is the dietary issue, and one thing I've never been able to understand is that when you take a poor population, a certain ethnic groups, and there's a lot of obesity, why is it that having a low budget creates obesity? Well, typically what we see, if, if you really take a look at the culture and society around us, you know, cheap equals fast food. And it's easy and it's quick. And you think the dollar uh, burger and unlimited Coke means a good value. And that's in our face all the time. That's what's marketed to us. Whereas actually, some of the healthiest foods are very inexpensive, say oatmeal, uh, canned beans. Uh, you know, you can get fruits and vegetables that are in season that are actually a very good value. But those things are not screaming in our face. Well, let's talk about insulin therapy um, and some specific challenges for the elderly. Well, of course, the issues when, when we're talking about insulin therapy, it's uh, just getting the insulin into your body in the first place is is the big part of it. And using the violin syringe, of course, what we know is a lot of seniors, as time goes on, they have arthritis in their hands. Even the neuropathy can affect how they can use their hands. So just the ability to use the vials and syringes can be a challenge. Now, fortunately, we have these wonderful insulin pens out that just are a godsend to helping dose insulin the right way. But still, sometimes there's the obstacle of insurance coverage for the use of these devices. Um, there's also uh, making sure seniors know what type of insulin they're supposed to use when, having them remember whether they gave themselves the dose or not. So there's, there's still some issues with that. But also, you know, again, this goes along with the diet. When they're not eating right and they're injecting insulin, you know, the insulin's going to keep working no matter what. But if someone's not eating appropriately or on a regular basis, that sets them up for a high risk of low blood sugar, which, again, can lead to falls, lead to fractures, and that has a very high mortality rate. Janice, we're going to come back to pens, but first I want to take a little break and say if you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Stephen Edelman. I'm speaking with my good friend Janice Baker. We're discussing the unique challenges of caring for our elderly patients with diabetes. Now, let's come back to the pen. I mean, the pens also help when patients have fine motor skills and they have tremors or, you know, Parkinson's, and it's almost impossible for them to draw up the insulin. The other thing I've seen with pens is that, as we mentioned earlier, a lot of these older folks that are not institutionalized, they like to go out and eat. Coco's, Denny's, and they they decide that they're going to skip their insulin because it's too embarrassing or too much of a pain to take with them. And, you know, the pens make that so much easier as well. Oh, they certainly do. And, yeah, it's much more socially acceptable to take out your little pen and use it quickly and put it away instead of the needle and the syringes, which is, you know, scary sight to a lot of people. In your opinion, you know, we, we use, uh, you know, correction factors to allow patients to adjust their dose if it's too high before meals or in between. Are, are the elderly adapted to follow these rules? Well, I think 
they can be. There's some seniors that are actually very sharp about this, but a lot of times, again, little things can overwhelm them very quickly. So uh, say when I talk to them about diet changes, I try to make it as simple and as practical for them as possible. I think the same thing needs to be considered with insulin therapy. Another thought that I often consider when I'm working with seniors is their internal physiology changes, kidney function changes. And they need to realize that, you know, if they start to notice they're getting low blood sugars on a regular basis, it may mean possibly their kidney function is changing and the importance of bringing that up to their physician or their health care provider that, you know, I'm starting to get more and more lows. Uh, sometimes they just forget to bring that up. Yeah. Well, and, and the opposite, too. You know, they're, they're, they're high at a certain point and yeah. they need to bring that up. Right. Now, um. This is a question that probably pertains to any patient that uses an insulin pen. Do you, do you recommend changing the needle every single time? You know, I, I like to just by default. I think it's a good, good idea. But sometimes people do use them over and over. And the point is the more you use it, the more it gets dull and you have more pain. So um, the sharpness is an issue. But I see people doing that both ways. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, stress. Do elderly people really have stress? Well, in reality, I see a tremendous amount of stress in the elderly. A lot of them are very nervous, of course, with what the economy has done to their uh, economic situation, their financial situation. But oftentimes, the elderly are also caring for maybe their spouse, who's also ill or even more ill than, than they are. Uh, family situation, again, social isolation. There's a lot of reasons the elderly are quite stressed and afraid because, again, um, you know, we have a different society than we used to. A lot of them are far away from their children, and uh, they're living in an assistant living situation where they don't have a lot of control over many aspects of their lives and, again, all the medications that they have to manage. So, actually, I do see quite a bit of stress in the elderly. The other issue is hypoglycemia. Maybe, you know, they're fearful of getting hypoglycemic, and, you know, if they're taking care of someone with diabetes, then that always scares the, the heck out of them as well. Oh, yes, yes. And, you know, speaking of hypoglycemia, we just talked about insulin, but it's important to know, I emphasize this a lot, that there's diabetes pills that some seniors are on that can cause severe hypoglycemia. If you lose weight and you don't make any other adjustments, you're going to be more insulin sensitive and yeah. you're, going to, you're going to be on too much medication. That could pretty much occur with any medication right. as well. Now, do you actually go to nursing homes? You know, I do talk at nursing homes, actually. I don't work at nursing homes, but I do talk. They have a group class together. I go about every um, four or five months. I'm invited in to do a, just a basic general talk on diabetes. And these, these uh, seniors, they love it. They love asking questions. They love learning. They love knowing what new therapies are out. And they just love the interaction. So they're very open to learning new things and learning how to take better care of themselves. Well, you, know, you and I are both very interested in uh, patient and professional education. Mm -hmm. what, what could you tell our listeners who are primarily providers? Mm -hmm. What's a good way to communicate and make, make an impact when you're, when you're addressing elderly patients? Well, first, what I constantly am reminding a lot of the healthcare providers that I directly work with is keep good track of your patient's weight status. Why was your weight changing? Is it intentional? Are you having an appetite problem? Uh, look at dental status, too. I'm always talking about the role of your dental status as a part of your health, and that's something also that should be asked about. Those are two big 
parts of what I use in my nutritional assessments to see what else is going on. You know what? Those are simple, but they tell us a lot about the, about the patient. Well, just real briefly, any resources that you could recommend uh, for our healthcare listeners today about the elderly? Well, what I always recommend is try to get uh, your, your elderly patients, in whatever way possible, to diabetes education classes, whether it's a local hospital, a clinic. Uh, elderly love the socialization, they love the support, and being with others who are in their similar situation is not only just the education, but it's such an emotional boost. So I would say try to see if there's classes or support groups you could encourage them to partake in. It makes a world of difference. I would like to thank our guest, registered dietitian and certified diabetes educator in San Diego, California, Janice Baker. Janice, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. What are you reading? I'm reading about something called GLP-1. Is it a robot? No. (laughs) GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism. Its multiple actions are critical to glucose control. Huh? Okay. Well, GLP-1 works in a glucose-dependent manner. It stimulates the beta cells in your pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibit the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. It also helps regulate food ingestion by slowing gastric emptying in your stomach here (laughs) and making you feel full. Like at Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, I don't get it. Is it important? Well, GLP-1 is important because it impacts the multiple systems affected by diabetes. It also plays a significant role in protecting beta cells, a key to slowing diabetes progression. Unfortunately, many people with type 2 diabetes have impaired GLP-1 secretion and impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. Like Grandpa? Yes. And like many of my type 2 diabetes patients. That's why I want to make sure I'm looking at the whole picture in diabetes. Sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. It's important to look at weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction. Impaired GLP-1 physiology is also a part of the problem, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. So, the GLP-1 robot will help you see the whole picture. (laughs) Yes, I guess, in a way, it will. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about GLP-1 and the role it plays in diabetes, please visit novomedlink.com slash DIA.